All right, we're good. If uh, you didn't get a copy of this on your way in, grab one of these on your way out. It has all the information you need to know about this upcoming month, along with a little heads up about what's coming on February 18th, which is the day known as Ash Wednesday. I'm sure Jennifer Green will tell us a little bit more about that when we get to uh, the announcements at the end. So make sure you grab a copy of this. There's a lot of important information on that. So we are towards the end of our series that we've been going through for a long time, since the fall, we started this. There was a clap I just saw for ending the series. That kind of hurts my feelings just a little bit. But the basic heart of the series is we're, we're wanting all of us to learn to befriend our monsters. And we don't really think monsters actually exist. But we think the things that they represent, the things that they put fur and skin and claws upon, those things that we're afraid of, those things we run from, those things we try to hide from, those things are very much real to us. And so the series really, it's not about you learning about monsters per se. It's about you learning about yourself. Because often we want to differentiate between this is our ideal self. This is the self that we want to be and that we project to others. And then there's this other part of ourselves that we want no one to know about. We want to hide it. We want to keep it closed up. We want to put it in the back of our closet or underneath our bed or hide it behind our curtains. But that's not a wholehearted person. That's a divided person. That's not a person who is integrated. It's a person who is divided. And this goal of the series is learning for us, learning for ourselves to be integrated, wholehearted people who live out what it means to truly be created in the image of God. Because sometimes we have faith that if we're good enough, if we do things right, if we follow God enough, then all those bad things will go away. and We won't have fears and anxiety and worries. But that's the faith that will ultimately disappoint you. The kind of faith we need is a faith that says, even if those things still persistently bother us, we can still trust in God. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say. And as we read this story from many years ago about a gentleman named Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that we would be inspired and encouraged by the faith that they had. We pray this in your name. Amen. The story is from Daniel chapter 3. The Israelites have been taken from their homeland, gone into exile to this other country, and there are people there who are telling them that they can't be followers of their God. You're not allowed to bow down and worship them. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have heard the king declare this, but they are not going to back away from their faith. And it gets them in trouble. And so this is the scene that we pick up in, in uh, Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If the God we serve is able to deliver us, then he will deliver us from the blazing furnace and from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar said, if you guys don't stop, then I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, even if you do, we're still going to worship our, our God. And so King Nebuchadnezzar becomes furious. He orders for his men to up the heat in the furnace seven times. It's so hot that the people next to the fire, there's someone next to the fire, a soldier dies from the heat. 
which is a nice reminder that often our anger doesn't just inflict damage upon those we are angry at, but the ones around us. King Nebuchadnezzar is furious. He can't get these three men to do what he wants. And so he says, make the fire seven times hotter, and we're going to throw all three of these men into the fiery furnace. But if you heard the story, it doesn't end like the way you're expecting it to. Somehow they go in the fiery furnace. An angel shows up, and they're fine. And this is what happens at the rest of the story. Picking up in verse wherever that is. <laughs> I make myself laugh too much. Okay, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty, he said. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. I like the idea that they're just standing there until someone says, hey, you guys can come out. Until then, we're just going to stay here. We're cool. I guess I thought that was cool. No one else did. And, and the satraps, prefects, and governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. So they come out of the fire, and they don't even smell like smoke. Can you imagine that? They don't, I can't even go to Starbucks and not smell like coffee for the rest of my day. But they go into this fiery furnace and they leave and they don't, even, they don't even smell like smoke. And some people really love this aspect of the story. That the unnatural thing happens. And we like these stories in the Bible. They give us encouragement that in perilous situations, sometimes it doesn't have to go the way that it seems like it's going to go. That people can walk through the Red Sea as it's divided and they can walk on dry land. That sometimes prophets end up in pits with lions, yet they aren't harmed. Sometimes people go on vacations with their in-laws and survive. The miraculous things do happen. And we need to hear that sometimes, right? Right? I've got a guy who's in the group of preachers I get with every fall, and he just found out that he has cancer, colon cancer. It's not a good kind of cancer to get especially when you're my age and you have three kids. He probably needs to hear the story that sometimes people go into fiery furnaces and they don't even smell like smoke. There's a place for that. But what really impresses me about the story isn't that part. It's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say before they go in the fiery furnace. They look at the king and they say, even if our God doesn't, we're going to still have faith in him. Even if we end up in the fiery furnace, we're still going to have faith. The kind of faith that says, I will get down on one knee and still praise God and thank you, even if I don't score the touchdown. Even if the circumstances don't go the way I want, I'm still going to bow down and worship you. Even if I can't make my life go the way I want it to, and even if you're not on speed dial for me when I want you to get me out of the bad situation, even if I will still have faith. There's something about even if faith that really speaks to me. Because sometimes if you have a faith in a God who always ensures that you will never even 
smell like smoke, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. So when this girl told me that her parents were getting a divorce, she was shocked. She had long ago given up the idea that her parents would have the ideal marriage, the one that she saw as a kid on the Huxtables or as many of us saw recently on Friday Night Lights with Coach Taylor, Mrs. Coach Taylor. She long gave up the idea that that was her parents. But still hearing her parents say, we're splitting up, felt like a scab was being ripped off. And so when I asked her, how are you holding up? The only thing she could say was, I feel like I'm losing my faith on this one. I feel like I'm losing my faith. Adversity has a way of of getting to the core of issues more than anything else. I think adversity has a greater ability to destroy faith more than any argument against how the Bible isn't valid or the story of Christianity is not true. It has a way to get to your core, your foundation. Jesus told a story about this. He said there's two houses. One was built on sand. One was built upon rock. And the way that you can tell the difference in the foundation is when the storm comes. When a big storm comes, it shows you what your foundation is. Adversity has a way of getting to your core. And so for this girl, when she said, my parents are splitting up, and she was asked, how are you doing? All she could say is, my, I feel like I'm losing my faith on this one. Now, I have enough bedside manner to not say this, but what I wanted to say was, well, maybe you needed to lose that faith to begin with. Because what is the faith that you're saying? That God's always going to be the one that shows up and makes sure you don't smell like smoke. There's an old Latin phrase that comes from the, the plays that the Romans used to put on. It's a phrase you've, you've probably heard me talk about before. It's the Latin phrase, deus ex machina. And it comes from the ancient playwrights who, whenever they would write a story that got kind of bunched up and they couldn't find a way to bring a resolution to the plot, what they did was they brought the divine figure in. And the phrase comes from the idea of deus, that's the word God, uh, ex machina, which looks like the word machine, Uh, It's the idea that that the gods come down and they actually had a machine that they would lower the deity down onto the actual play, onto the actual stage. This this god figure would be lowered. And so when they couldn't figure out how to work the scene around and get a resolution, God would show up and change the situation. And it came to be used to describe kind of hacks. Like you can't write a good story other than a story that revolves around the divine coming in and, and blowing up the story. It's like... There, there are better examples of this than others, but if you remember the story with Tom Hanks on Castaway, you have a character who's about to give up on life, he's about to cash in his chips, and then a piece of porta potty washes up on the shore and gives him a way to get off the island. Like, that's an example of deus ex machina. Like, otherwise, there's not this miraculous object that's going to open up a new set of possibilities for him, right? And it's one thing for, for there to be stories and movies and and plays that don't fit without this like divine spark that changes everything. But when you start to have this idea that that's what God always does, like God is the one who's going to show up. And whenever you end up in a fiery furnace, he's going to make sure you don't smell like smoke. Or whenever your parents are struggling in a marriage, God's going to be the one to make sure that divorce never happens. Or God's going to be the one to make sure that it's your kid that never gets the diagnosis. We're in trouble. 
we're in trouble when we start to think that's because it's not reality. And sometimes when you have faith in that, your faith has to end up being just like baby teeth. It's a good faith to get you going, but eventually you've got to lose it to develop a mature and a healthy adult faith. Because that's not always how faith works. So Woody Allen wrote this, uh, this story called God, a Play, in which he depicts one of those ancient Roman plays. And they're in a situation where the plot can't be resolved. And so what happens? They have typical deus ex machina thing happen, where there is Zeus, the, uh, the father of the gods, is lowered down on this contraption. <clears throat> and as Zeus is being lowered down, there is a, a, a tragedy that happens. The cords get wrapped around his neck, and the, the Zeus character actually is hung during the play, accidentally. And so everyone's freaked out because there is an actual friend of theirs who's being lowered from the ceiling. He's hung. And so the actors are, are, are freaked out. They don't know what to do. And so Woody Allen has one of the characters say the line, God is dead, ad lib the ending. God is dead, ad lib the ending. Which seems to characterize how a lot of us feel. Like if God doesn't show up and fix the end, if God doesn't show up and fix... <clears throat> Our problems, it seems as though God doesn't exist. You compare that to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their attitude is the exact opposite. They said, even if God doesn't show up and prevent us from going to the fiery furnace, we will have faith. You have two different understandings of faith. And sometimes you need to lose the faith that expects things to always go your way so that you can have a mature faith that can ration together and make sense of a world in which you have two things together. The presence of God and the presence of adversity. The person who was losing their faith over the divorce did not have a framework of seeing the world that allowed them to have adversity, negative circumstances in their family, and to have God being present. There was no framework that allowed both of those things to exist. And so you end up like Woody Allen's character saying, God is dead. But the kind of faith that I think God calls us to is much deeper than that. And the only way you get that is through through adversity. Because adversity doesn't just reveal what our foundation is, it also can form your foundation for you. Adversity doesn't just reveal what your foundation is, it also gives you an opportunity to firm up your foundation. Because I wonder where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned to have faith like that. Now, this is... If I was a lawyer and I said this, someone would interrupt and say, that's, uh, that's circumspect. I don't remember the word I was going to say right there. Uh, they would say something. I don't remember what it is. I didn't read enough John Grisham this week. Um, if I was a Jewish like rabbi, they would say it's midrash. If I was a student in a history class and I said this, they would say that's wrong. But as a preacher, I can just say it's an illustration, so it's okay. My theory is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned that sometimes God doesn't show up and prevent people from going into fiery furnaces because they'd experienced their own already. If you think about the, the context of the story, Israel had someone show up and take them out of their homeland. Imagine if China moved into the United States, they destroyed Washington, D.C., and they took us all as prisoners into Canada. I don't know what would be worse. Losing D.C., you're going to Canada. I'm not sure. But imagine we're there. And you have to put your life back together and say, 
how does God exist if our country is no longer in power? If we have someone else with a different flag on their their shirt telling us what to do, how can we think God always gives us what we want? Well, that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going through. And the reason they think this is because they've lived it out. They've seen their own fiery furnaces countless times in their own life as they've been taken from their homeland, as they've lost family members and friends, but they haven't given up on God. I think it's the context that taught them that. Sometimes you have to lose your faith to develop a real one. You see this with Peter. Peter didn't think Jesus could suffer. He didn't think Jesus could experience adversity. He did, and then eventually developed a deeper faith. Your context shapes you. Growing up in a home in which uh, my mom has uh, a chronic illness, you know, since I was a kid, my mom's always been sick. And I would be ignorant if I didn't think that shaped my understanding of faith. Because when things always go the way you want, it's, it's easy to think that that's what God does. But when you have someone who's chronically ill in your family and, and well-intentioned people come up to you and say, well, is your mom feeling better? Like you kind of get sick of having to say the answer of, ah, she's about the same. Because most of us expect when someone's ill, like they're going to get better. But if you see someone living always sick, it's, it's hard for you to believe that, that God only exists when things go your way. And it's not, just, it's not just my mom. I'm not the only one who's dealt with this. You have brothers. You have parents. You have alcoholics in your family. Everyone has something like this. And so you have one option of kind of hiding from them and pretending like that's a separate part of your life and it's not integrated into your faith life. Or you can say somehow there is a different way of understanding faith that all of that goes together. And I think what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say is you learn to bring all of that into be an integrated person that God exists right next to adversity. It goes together. Which means you have to view faith differently. Which means you have to question what exactly does faith do for you? A lot of times we think faith is the means to get to the end of a perfect life. And that's not what faith is for. The sociologist and writer Brene Brown says this, and I've I've quoted her multiple times because I think it's just brilliant. She says she used to think of faith as an epidural. If you have faith, it's an epidural that blocks you from pain. But I've learned over the years to see faith instead as a midwife in your ear cheering you on. Now, my wife and I have gone through three births. um, Two, well, she's gone through more of them than I have, but I was there at least. And two of those births have included an epidural. And one didn't have an epidural. And I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but if I have one daughter that becomes a professional cage fighter, it's going to be the one that didn't have the epidural at her birth. I'm not sure how correlated that is. But I know I've never been the same after that birth without the epidural. I can tell you that much. But an epidural is a great thing. Like it blocks you from feeling pain. And who wouldn't want to be blocked from feeling pain? If I knew faith was really offering that, I would take that in a heartbeat. But I don't think that's what faith offers us. It's instead of midwife saying, this is harder than you thought it was going to be. This is more painful than you thought it was going to be. You're in a position now where you want to give up and you want to quit. But keep going. Life is bursting forth. See, often in circumstances, we don't get to choose anything other than our attitude about them. 
Often in circumstances, you don't get to choose if the fiery furnace you're going to go into is miraculously also occupied by an angel. You don't get to choose that. It just happens. Happens sometimes, doesn't happen the majority of times. You don't choose that. All you choose is your attitude about it. And I think what faith does, it says, please choose wisely. And some of us this morning need to hear that. This journey of faith is harder than you thought it was. Life is harder than you thought it was. The circumstances that you wanted might not be the ones that you were delivered. And it might be easy to give up and say, I'm cashing my chips. I'm going out of this thing. I don't want to be a part of the Christian story because it's not giving me what I want. It's not blocking me from pain. But I think the witness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is to say, keep on going. You can do this. Life is bursting forth. And it might not be what you want it to be. But it's the only thing that's true life. And it's the only thing that you can trust in. Circumstances cannot be trusted in, but God can. In a second, we're going to go to these tables and we're going to celebrate communion. If you've never been here before, the way this works is we just circle around these different tables and someone will administer communion to you, first the bread and then the cup. And the reason we do this is because it reminds us of the story that we're a part of. It reminds us that we are people of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because we believe that the greatest display of who God is, is in Jesus. And the greatest act of Jesus that we see God most clearly, it's not when Jesus was walking on the water. It's not when he was turning a happy meal into a buffet. It's when he went up on a cross and he spread his arms and he said, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. The greatest way we see Jesus, ultimately, which shows us the greatest way we see God is in the cross. And we are reminded that God is present even in adversity because we see that no more clearly than when God himself was on the cross. And that's good news for us as we go through our own fiery furnaces. Let's pray and then we'll make our way to these tables. God, my prayer this morning is that we would have faith. Even if this faith isn't the kind of faith that maybe we want it to be. And for some of us who have a beginning faith that might believe that you will always give us what we want. I pray that you would give us a bigger and a deeper and a more robust picture of what faith can be. And for those of us who feel like we are in our own fiery furnaces, help us to have the kind of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Or we can say, even if we end up where we don't want to be, and even if our life hasn't gone as we've mapped it out, that we would still have faith that you continue to be present with us in fiery furnaces. Even if that doesn't mean you are the epidural that blocks us from feeling the pain, but let us trust that you are there with us and that you're present. And just as we see Jesus on the cross and we remember that in this meal called the Eucharist or communion or the Lord's Supper, let us learn to see you in our own adversity and trust you. We pray this in your name. Amen. You're welcome to go to the tables now.